God, we are grateful for the chance to come before you. And we remember these uh, people in our church family. And I know there are others who uh, are mourning the loss of uh, people they love. And at the same time, there are people who are celebrating new life coming into the world. And uh, as a church family, we want to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, because you've called us to live life um, at that depth of intimacy. And I pray that that would be um, a reflection of who we are as a church family and grateful for the chance to uh, be a part of uh, at least uh, some of that this morning as we'll hear from people in our church family uh, and the things that you've put on their heart. And so we want to offer this to you, Father, and may your name be made great through the testimony of your people. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may remember uh, back in the fall when we did our Abraham series. The last uh, Sunday of that series, we took an opportunity to hear from a few people uh, to, to share what God had done in their life through our time in his word uh, as we walked through the life of Abraham. And so this morning we're going to do something similar. We're finished up with our Philippian series, and uh, there are uh, a few people who have uh, agreed and uh, courageously agreed to be a part of what we will do this morning to share with you a little bit about what God has done in their life over the last few months as we've gone through uh, Philippians together. Now, this probably goes without saying, but whenever you come up here and stand where I'm standing and look out to you guys, it's a little bit intimidating. And so what I would ask of you as you receive what they will offer you is just give them all the grace and love that you can give them in your uh, in, in just what you demonstrate to them and your attention and just everything on your face needs to say, I'm so glad you're up there. So if you would do that, that would be great. Um, but one of the things that I would want to, to share with you is that what you're going to hear this morning are testimonies of people who are in process of being perfected by the work of God in their lives. Nobody up here, including this one right now, is going to tell you that they have finished the race. <laughs> that they are done, that what you instead will hear is that these are people who are very much in process, and they are just going to tell you about their journey of faith and what God is doing in their lives and in the lives of their family in a beautiful way. And you'll be able to relate to a lot of what they're saying because we're in this journey together. This is one of my favorite Sundays to do something like this because I think it is distinctive of who we are as a church family that we want to live life at this level where people have the freedom to come up here and say, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. And to know and look at with people that are sitting out there who, number one, understand because they're in there with them. And number two, if they're not, they're prayerfully and very much a part of the family that stands with them in that process. So just a tremendous uh, testimony of who we are as a church family that I'm very, very grateful for. But it does have a biblical precedent, too, in terms of what we will do this morning. If you would, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is a beautiful verse that many of you are familiar with. And to me, this is the evidence of what we do and why we do things like this on a Sunday like today. Chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I would just want to remind you that that's who you are. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy community. You are a people of God. And what you're going to hear this morning are people who are proclaiming the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into light. That's why we're doing it this morning. So the first person I'd like to introduce to you is Doug Dindy. Doug and his wife Kristen have been a part of our church for a little while, not too long. They have two daughters, Mara and Claire V, sweet, sweet girls. And uh, Doug and Kristen uh, have a neat testimony of how God has worked in their life, and they are very much in process with that. And so you'll be blessed by hearing uh, about that. So, Doug, I'll let you come forward. Good morning. Can everyone hear me okay? We're good. I want to introduce myself again. My name is Doug Dindy. I'm amazingly blessed with Kristen, my wife. My oldest is Claire V. She's nine. Claire V, wave your hand. And Mara's seven. Mara, wave real high. So I'm very thankful that Todd's honored our family with the opportunity to come share some things that God have done, has done in our lives. And so to do that, I first need to lay a foundation of what our family is and how it's kind of come about. And I like to move, so I may walk around. Hopefully I won't trip on anything. But um, the foundation with our family, when we got married, both of us felt led to adopt before we had any kids of our own. So we did that through fostering. And so Claire V, we came into our home with, through fostering at the age of 11 months. And so with that, um, in the world of fostering, if any of you have seen that, there are families that have three, four, six, eight kids. And so we're like, we have this one child. Why can't we do more? And so we decided to say, let's go ahead and do this. We can do, we can have more kids. We asked them, and they, they honored us with that. They gave us another child, a, a six-week little girl. The thing we didn't do is we didn't really pray about it as much as we probably should. So right after that, about two or three months later, we were blessed with having um, Kristen become pregnant with Mara. And so very exciting, but we also had two little ones. And so it was a little bit of a challenging time. But jumping ahead, um, God kind of um, appointed everything with Claire V for us to adopt her, and we we're so thankful to have her as part of our family. And so during that time, um, Mara was about one when she was adopted. In that first year of Mara's life, something was stirring within us, something to saying, we want another child. And so from that point to now, seven years, there's a desire in me and Kristen to have another child. It hasn't gone away. It's still there. But through there, through that, there's been some hurt. We've had four children that, that we've lost through pregnancies, and it's been a hard season for that. And with that, I'll share a verse that we've kind of clung to, and it's Psalm 37, 4. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I love that verse, and I clung to that for a long time, and I still do, but I don't understand it as well now, just that the desires, have they been met? They haven't. And so as a family, what do we do with that? And that's the reason I think I'm here today is just to tell you, I don't know what to do, but I know through the process he's trying to teach us, hopefully, that even when you don't have the answers, to run to him, seek him, seek his truth, and we can, as a family, we'll get through this. Another quick story of probably why we're up here is that in the spring, um, 
Kristen and I had the opportunity of a family that we went to, that our kids go to school with at KPA. This family came to Kristen and I and said, we have a, a friend that's pregnant, and it's a young girl. Would you consider adopting this baby? And so we had just kind of been healing and, and even just stopped just saying, okay, Lord, you may not be bringing a child to us biologically, and we just had gotten to the point where we're at peace and healing. And then all of a sudden, here's this opportunity for a child. So at first we're like, okay, let's get excited, but let's pray about this at the same time. As we're praying, a dream comes to our remembrance of, that Kristen had of a young girl coming to her in a dream and saying, will you adopt my child? So I know God's big enough to speak through many means, whether dreams or other ways, but I also know that we hear things in part. It says that in um, 1 Corinthians 13.9. And so with that, the main point is as we were searching and seeking God, he put it on our heart and on Christians especially, as we've talked through this, and really just recently too, that the main part of the dream was that before the dream, God has put something on her heart to say, if you do adopt, it will be easy. And so all the pieces kind of fit together and we could see that, hmm, this is probably God. And so we just had a green light, like, yes, let's jump into this. And so we jumped into it. And, we, and that's the reason I'm up here is that I met with Todd one day. And as I was meeting with him, as he always does, which is what I wish we would do to all of us, is he would say, how can I pray and pray for your family? And with that, that night we were going to meet with this young girl and have her over for the first time. And so he prayed for us with that. Over the next couple weeks to three weeks, we would have her over and pray with her, and we were excited. But then two or three weeks later, we stopped hearing from her as much. And at that time, after church one day, we were sitting there, and um, Todd, being the good pastor, followed up and said, how are things going? And Kristen, just tears coming down her face. And it just really put it on my heart to say, we're not healed from any of this. Um, and then two or three weeks later, it was confirmed, and I called the young girl, and she said she had chosen another family. So once again, we're standing there thinking, God, why did you do this? Why did you put this stuff on our plate? Why was it right there, just to hurt us again? And no, he put it there for a reason. We don't understand it. I don't have all the answers. Kristen doesn't. But as a family, I'll share a few stories of how he's teaching us a few things, or there's some truth that's coming from that. One story is that, we were at a small group, and as a small group, we were going around the room saying, what's your favorite scripture? What's your favorite Bible verse? And Kristen was Ecclesiastes, and I will go ahead and read from that. Kristen shared that in Ecclesiastes, that the first few chapters, everything is meaningless without God, that we should be satisfied in our work because it is from the hand of God. And also that God appoints a time for everything, a time to weep, a time to laugh. He breathes life into every situation. When Kristen was describing this, she, she hadn't told this, me, told this to me, and it really, my spirit inside, God's spirit, jumped out and was glorious because I could see God's healing my family. He's bringing some truth in Scripture that is going to help us grow from the situation. And then recently, I'll share... Just with me personally, I was going to a men's group, and as I'm going on the way, I was listening to a song. In that song was, It's I Am, and I've heard it on the radio before, but it was a small little clip of it, and the verses really stuck out in my head, and it was like, I am the bright, the morning star. I am the ones who created the earth. I am the healer of the broken. And it just hit me, like, do I see God the way I should? Do I see him the way 
like in John 18.6, when the soldiers were about to take Jesus, and they came to him and said, Who is Jesus of Nazarene? And when he said this, do you all remember what happened? I'll help you out. So as he says, they you know, say, Who is Jesus of Nazarene? Jesus spoke, I am. And when he did, the soldiers drew back and they fell to the ground. And so it really spoke to my heart and said, do I see him as that powerful? And I don't. He's like this piece of my life that I love and I treasure, but I keep it up here. It's not something that I desire the way that I should. And so coming home from the men's group, not that the men's group wasn't good, but coming home, the Lord really um, put something else on my heart. I'm driving home just the goodness of his love and how he sees us. And another song came on, and the song was, What Will You Do When the Time That's Left? And that really spoke to my heart and just said, it kind of put all the pieces together, just the Ecclesiastes, everything, that everything happens so fast. Am I doing what God wants me to do? And I'm not. And I'm not an emotional person. Um, I don't cry very often. But the Spirit came on me, and I just started weeping um, because inside I knew I don't see God as powerful as he should. I don't run to him the way that I should. And it really just pierced my heart. And so with that, how this ties in with Philippians is, um, is just with that, after that, God started putting in my mind some scriptures, and I'll just read those to you. Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you and will act accordingly to his good purpose. And so God kind of tied that together and said, do I see God the way I should? Do I see him that powerfully? Do I run with him to him with fear and trembling inside? And I don't. And so that's kind of where God has us now. It doesn't mean we have all the answers and what's going on with these desires. But as a family, we're going to run to him and seek him. So... As I conclude, I just want to tell you that I know those, there's some of you out there that have those desires on your heart, whether it's a child that you can't have, whether it's a spouse that you want and God hasn't ordained them. Those desires are there. But what do you do in that when there's not met? Do you run from God? Do you blame God? Or do you seek Him and His truth? Do you run to Him and let Him draw you close to Him and so that He can heal you? Okay? And doesn't mean He'll give you all the answers, but He will heal your heart. So... I will leave you with just a blessing. If y'all honor me and just allow me to pour a blessing over y'all. Dear Father, God in heaven, I thank you so much for this time where we could come and glorify your name. I pray a special blessing over this congregation that they will see you as the great I am, that I will see you as the great I am, and that we will draw close to you. Show us how to draw into you and that you will heal our broken hearts. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One of the things as I sat down and visited with each of the folks that you'll hear from this morning, you're going to hear a constant theme. And that constant theme is that um, if you draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to you. And just this sense of, as Doug said, we don't have all the answers, but we are running to him as our place of refuge. Uh, He alone is our stronghold.
and in him we will not be greatly shaken, as Psalm 62 says. And that's their testimony. I love it when, I love all kinds of testimonies, but I really appreciate it when somebody gets up and says, we're still in process. We're still learning what this looks like. There's still desires on our heart, and we're still trying to understand how those are to unfold. But what we are learning is that God is sufficient, and we will run to him. So, Doug, thanks for giving us that. Uh, next, I want to have Gracelyn and Russell come up. And uh, everybody knows uh, the Thomasons and their family, and they have a, a great testimony of faith to share. So if you all come up, and Gracelyn, I'll give you this here. So. I was looking for Byron out there to see if he's smiling at me and making me feel good up. Okay. <laughs> Smile a little bigger if you want to. Um, well, this has just been a, a blessing to, to be able to come and, and just um, process with, with Graceland and others. Um, uh, Philippians and, and the application of Philippians to our experience and our journey. And my name is Russell Thomason again. This is my wife, Graceland. And our four beautiful kids down there, John, uh, who's 10, Annalise and Maylee, they're twins, and they're eight, and then Lila's not here, um, uh, but she is three. Uh, and that, and that's, that's our family. We've been uh, at Melanie Park since uh, 2003, and what a loving and just nurturing body this has been. And, and so as I get up here and, and, and we share, I feel like this is, this is Melanie Park's testimony and this is Melanie Park's uh, story that, that uh, uh, we've, we've been able to live. Uh, several things uh, from thinking back over Philippians uh, that, that, that are just principles that, that kept coming up as, as uh, we were walking through and processing um, were that, you know, he, he talked about dying to self and that, that to die was gain. And what does that look like? I certainly uh, don't... Uh, understand that kind of faithful commitment and then being unified around Christ and the word of God in marriage and, and in this body and faithful obedience uh, by believers that emboldens others within the body and other believers to be fearless in, in our faithfulness uh, and then being content in, in circumstances, no matter what they are, high or low, uh, as Paul talked about, uh, through the strength of Christ. And so... We've been able to see these, these principles uh, in our experience of, of fostering. And um, before we get into to that story specifically, I just want to back up to uh, the summer of 2009. Uh, Grayson and I uh, were growing closer in our uh, marriage, and God was just stirring in our, in our hearts and stirring in the conversations that we were having uh, from other believe, with other believers. But I will tell you, just a year before that, in 2008, our marriage had hit real low points and uh, some of the lowest we'd ever experienced to where I didn't love my wife as Christ loved the church. I didn't even think about uh, that. And I thought mostly of myself and I thought and I didn't appreciate what God had given me in my wife. And I was in a, I was in a bad place a year before. And, and I'll, I'll let Grayson share some of some of her thoughts that we I discussed on that subject as well. Yeah. Um, am I on? <clears throat> um, not like Doug. I, I cry all the time. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try not to. But 
A year in the 2008, we had been married 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years, and we had spent about 10 years um, just really um, hurting one another. I don't think I can do this. Um, <laughs> anyway, and so in, to the point, you know, that everything, you know, God blesses us with so much, and the enemy, you know, just in the way that God will turn the things that the enemy does into into our good. He'll use it for our good. The enemy can take blessings and really, you know, use that to stir sin in in us. And um and so I'll just say just I was so blessed. I was blessed with a husband that cared for our family. Um I was blessed with friends, a wonderful church body, three incredible children. Um wasn't enough. It just it wasn't enough. Um Anyway, and so we pretty much fought constantly, not constantly, I mean, but just I pretty much had a chip on my shoulder, and I was just waiting for him, you know, to not do everything the way it says it right here. So, you know, he could just, you know, just bump me a little bit, and oh, really? You know, and just, I mean, and I was ready. I was ready for the fight constantly, and um, to the point that at one point in the fall of 2008, Actually, I took our kids, and I left. So, over that year, um, (laughs) God was really working through this body and and through us and and through his word, of course, to just transform us. And, And we were, we had not arrived then, we have not arrived now. And, but... He was stirring in us, and he was bringing us closer together. And, and just two books I'll mention that he brought to us. One was Crazy Love by Francis Chan that really talks about the radical life that Christ displayed and that he calls us to. And George Mueller, which I didn't know anything about George Mueller. And I just happened to pick up the book because I was looking for something to read about George Mueller. But if you're looking to read about someone who eased into their faith, don't read about George Mueller, because he was bold, like Paul talks about, and he did things that just, as I would sit and, and read to my children, I'd start crying, because it, I was convicted by, and, and, and just drawn toward this example of faith that I did not know and appreciate, but that I wanted to, and uh, it was uh, such an emboldening example uh, from, from those, uh, those books. And so as we moved into the, to the fall, we, we were doing a study uh, on Romans. And I remember distinctly, we remember distinctly, uh, the day as we were talking about being a sin, a sl- I'm sorry, a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. That Todd challenged us to look for an opportunity, us as the congregation, to look for an opportunity, listen for one thing, and learn and follow. And the next week, along with other circumstances that led to this, Jimmy and Nevaeh, two, two children that were in need of foster care, were presented in her path and had been uh, for several weeks. And it was just one more confirmation that that was the opportunity he was presenting to us. And from that, we launched out to this body that we'd grown to love and appreciate so much for the council. As Paul says, set your eyes on those who follow my example and the example of Christ, 
We had plenty that we could cling to right here. And so we pursued uh, the council, and it was so encouraging and so confirming. But when we met with our parents, uh, I will tell you, we didn't present it real well to them, um, and they didn't take it real well. But for the first time, I think, in Grayson and, and, and my life, we were met with opposition by the four people that had raised us for all of our lives and who had encouraged us for all of our lives who were not on our side. And they were fearful. And I understand, especially as I reflect, where they were coming from. I can't imagine John coming to me and, and, and sharing this, um, this idea of fostering and potentially adopting uh, with me and how my reaction would be. And so they came at us with a lot of fear. They came at us with a lot of Scripture that was not, was not you know, clear-cut as this situation was not clear-cut. And I leaned on this body, we leaned on this body, and clung to the Word of God and Him. And I just remember feeling like, you know, you see people in the hurricane holding on to trees. I remember feeling like I was holding on to that tree of Christ and His Word because I was getting blown as hard as I'd ever been blown with my parents' rejection and the feeling that I had to grow up and be the husband and, and, and the leader of this family that God had called me to be. And so, yeah. Um, and at that same time, I mean, I, that was when I really had to learn to follow my husband. It was no longer, you know, this is my world, you're all just living in it. This was, um, you know, this was Russell's house. I was his helper. And these kids were here to be a part of that and to be a blessing. And um, it, I'm not much so, <laughs> so with much encouragement and counsel from this body, from people in it, it we move forward with, with fostering despite you know, some of the opposition, that, uh, a big opposition for us. And it, through many tears, much prayer, and just meeting with many of you at lunch, breakfast, just whenever we could get your, your time and, and attention, we continued to, to work this, this out. And they came into our house um, late uh, November, early December. And uh, immediately we realized that we were way over our heads. And it was more responsibility than we ever imagined. But, but again, we were able to cling to the fact that if this is Christ's will, the Lord's will for us, and if we have the kind of body that we think we have, we're going we're gonna to make it. Because I think about what Paul said to the Corinthians about, you know, uh, the body and being members of one another. Not just members running around with each other, but members of one another. And I feel like he began to show me what that really looks like. That the, the, the individuals in this, and I, I just have to mention it just to, just to, just to demonstrate, you know, the, the Tidwells... At, providing beds, counsel, because they had gone through the fostering process, clothes, uh, a baby gate, the Learys serving as grandparents to our older children and taking them every week, the Lifers bringing over lockers and putting them in our house so we could stack six little backpacks, you know, uh, and keep them separated, Uh, Jean and Jan Williamson providing us a high chair because now we had three high chairs going in in a little kitchen. And... um, uh, the Hardy Sunday School class, just lifting us up in prayer and offering encouragement and, and help. Matt and Amanda Wade providing clothes. The teachers of Jimmy and Nevaeh, because they were a handful. Karen Wade and, and the Brackets and Terry Sapisa, Teresa Boyce, the Lifers and the Brooks. 
They had a lot more than they were used to. And they were praying for these kids. And they were encouraging us when we'd pick them up. And what a blessing. What strength it provided. Um, And Jesse Morris. And Raleigh Morris. We didn't know how we were going to get these kids to all the therapy appointments that they had. But Jesse Morris stepped up and said, I'll come to your house. I'll spend, was it two days a week? You may want to. Sometimes three. Um, And Jesse... It was the night before we were starting the semester with several appointments during the week. We were homeschooling, and I had to take my kids to different places. And then there were three kids that needed naps also. And Jesse and Raleigh happened to be at our house, and I, and I told her, I said, I have no idea how this is going to work tomorrow. It's tomorrow, and I need, do you know a babysitter that will come tomorrow and, like, stay with me? And, and Jesse, without even flinching, I mean, I don't even know that they knew us all that well. And she was like, I'll do it. I'll come whenever you need me. Just tell me. And through that process, those Morris kids, I feel like they're mine. And my kids feel like Jesse Morris is kind of a second mom to them. And anyway, what a blessing. What a blessing to just see the body just help us, just jump in with us. And Colin Colin Jacobs and Sarah Johnston, who did not see taking care, and Chris Sanders, by the way, who did not see taking care of six wild and woolly kids as, as a challenge and, and, and ju- jumped in there and gave Grayson and I an opportunity to spend time together. Um, Lisa Huddleston, just showing up with dinner when we didn't ask, I don't know how she knew. Uh, she didn't know. Uh, HUD helping us find a 15-passenger van in like a week. I mean, he was on it. And, you know, the Biggs and the Spaldings and the, and the Tidwells I mentioned just coming and sitting with us and listening and also with the Word in front walking through this before and, and when we had them. And I appreciated so much that, that these people in this body, who, and many who I haven't mentioned, the Stewarts, um, the Tardies, uh, the Sapices, and, and so many others that were, were, had a word and, and served us and just were a part of this members of one body. And I couldn't tell who was my family and who wasn't, you know, uh, because we were all together working in the same direction. And, yeah. I just, there is a, something that comes to mind when I think of the way that this body works and the way that they, y'all came to, to us and what I learned from you guys. In the situation where we were feeling just very overwhelmed, but seeing God's grace, just knowing that if we would just trust Him, that things would be taken care of. And I just, over and over, when I think of this body, I just think of, that situation and any struggle, it's, it's appointed for us. It was appointed for us to be there when we were there. And it could have made us bitter servants. I mean, we could have just begrudgingly been like, fine, we'll do this. Fine. You know? But, but this body encouraged us to, instead of becoming bitter servants, to make him famous with our love and just our appreciation of you guys. And just what we saw, just what we saw in this body was incredible. And taught us so much. And those three little, I mean, they, they grew up well beyond their, their years. And just to watch them, Annalise, Maley, and John, step up. And that's all they were doing was serving because they didn't have, there was no time left for playtime. And I remember sitting back after a week had gone by and thinking, wow, could I have done what John did a whole week? And I don't think we threw the ball or anything. I mean, he's just working, just pumping it out, just 
just being and, and, and getting right back in there and doing it and, and Maylie and Annalise the same, just to watch them learn and their hearts be transformed with these, these servant hearts that, that they now, now have, uh, but that we're going to continue to work on because we're not finished. Um, and I know we need to wrap up. The, the year and two months that we had was physically and emotionally taxing, but again, we had the, uh, he was teaching us contentment. He was teaching us uh, what it means to be unified around Christ and his word and uh, just being emboldened by so many to just have that confidence to keep pushing, keep pushing. And uh, the decision not to adopt was, was difficult. But again, we went back, right back to the same principles that Paul talks about. Prayer, the word, and a good counsel. Uh, and we got that. And they left our home February the 4th. Uh, it was a sad, emotional day. Um, but we knew God had transformed our family and would continue to transform our family. And uh, that this, this body um, had, had told a story through our experience. And the Lord had told his story. And uh, we just uh, are so grateful um, for all that, uh, that, that we've learned. And we thank you, uh, the church family, for um, all that you've done. And we continue to know that we can't get comfortable. And we know you won't let us. And so, um, so thank you. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. That is the consistent theme that you're going to hear as people are finding their strength in the Lord, and they're being encouraged, and to use the word that Russell used, emboldened to find their place uh, of refuge in him by you as a church body, as it should be. That's what we're here for. So uh, the next person I'd like to introduce to you is Kimberly Kennedy. Uh, Doug and Kimberly are fairly new to our church family. In fact, I think we introduced them last Sunday, perhaps, uh, for the first time. And uh, what a great addition they have been, uh, just in a short amount of time, have been the recipients of their, uh, (laughs) you started this, (laughs) of their love for me and my family. So with uh, no further delay, Kimberly, just come on up. Thanks so much. Good morning. I think it's wonderful and even providential that God would have me go last because I can speak very quickly. And so y'all that are looking at your watches, don't be fearful. It won't take long. But I do just want to um, introduce this. Um, Todd said I'm Kimberly, my husband Douglas, um, on middle to the back row with all the J's. We have four children, uh, Jocelyn, Jayton, Julia, and Gentry, who are all mortified that I just introduced them. So, <laughs> But I do just want to be, begin by um, sharing a saying There's a saying that a book is only as good as it is timely. And I would say that's true also for a study. The study of Philippians was very timely for our family. We had begun visiting Melanie Park this past winter. We had had a tour of Lubbock churches in the fall and early winter. And, you know, there are a lot of churches in Lubbock. And our older children really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun for them to see different worship styles. Our youngest child did not enjoy that at all. And so... While we enjoyed the survey of Lubbock churches, our family has always been givers, 
not consumers of church. So Doug and I were weary and ready to find a church home. We began to attend regularly as Todd began his study of Philippians. And what a wonderful and, as I said, timely study, so very practical. I was in the midst of teaching the book of Isaiah, a beautiful, poetic, and difficult book. And so every Sunday I was hungry for practical teaching. I was ready for timeless Timeless truths not cloaked in poetic language, but were in clear layman terms. Doug and I were like sponges looking for applicable principles each week, and we received them. As I said, a study is only as good as it is timely. Todd asked us to share the one thing that stood out from Philippians, and so I took the notes that Doug and I had compiled in our bulletins, and it was a great review, and one I will do again at the end of each study, because then you can toss all those bulletins that you don't know what to do with. They're in the back of your Bible. And so I tossed all those bulletins, and I just did it in a one-sheet document. And so I wanted to share very quickly the overview of Philippians, and then I'll conclude with the main truth that we took away. In January, Todd taught us that God never starts a project that he's not committed to finish, Philippians 1.6. And as a project person, that was particularly meaningful to me because I have started projects that have mocked me. And so I have just gotten rid of them. I've put them in a closet or closed the door. And yet what a great reminder that God never does that to his children, that what he began, he will finish. And Todd also reminded us that our joy is to be in people, not things. And I can find a lot of joy in my projects, but my true joy should be in God's people. And then in February, we were taught that Paul's confidence was in faith in Christ alone and that the church has an incredible opportunity as well as responsibility to share this truth and testimony. And I have said over and over, a line that Todd said is a church without a testimony is a dead church. So how appropriate that we take time and give a testimony. The church is to stand firm together and to impact our community because the community is watching. And often our churches don't look much different than the community. So we are to be a different people. In March, we were to have an attitude of Christ, living in unity as a sacrifice to Christ. And I would add that when you are living in unity with a group of more than two people, one of you are sacrificing because it is hard to live in unity. It is hard to live in unity in our families. It is hard to live in unity in our churches. And we are to have humility in serving others. In April, we had a call to worship, and Paul taught us that when we take our eyes off Christ, we immediately will put it on ourselves. And so our attention was drawn to the qualities of true believers. The qualities of true believers are that they worship in spirit, the true spirit of God. Their eyes are fixed on Christ, and they are totally surrendered to God. And it was in April that Todd encouraged us to memorize Psalm 119, verses 8 through 113. No, Psalm 119, verses 8 through 13. And at this season in my life, it's not as easy to memorize as it once was. And so I really took that challenge. I wrote that verse on the the card and put it on the dash of my um, Suburban. So it mocks me all the time if I'm not trying. And I have the first three verses memorized. And I would encourage you to do the same because it's really a call. Do I actually say that I seek God earnestly and ask that he would help me to reject straying from his commands? Can he truly say that I seek him with all my heart? I say that broadly, but daily. Can I say that? So what a challenge. I don't have the last three verses done. I'll have to flip the card over. But then in May, we have the teaching that a Christian life is a life of repeated surrender. 
and that the world's path will always end in destruction and that there are many worldly temptations and those temptations will impede our passion for Christ. We were to focus on what unites, not what divides, and the remedy for discord is found in God's word. We are to rejoice in the Lord. We are to be anxious for nothing. We are to be gentle, and we are to be constantly in prayer. So what will you remember from your study of Philippians? As I said, I think it depends on where our study of Philippians found you. As I said, Doug and I were like sponges. We were ready for unity. We were ready for a place where we could worship and where we could plug in and serve as well as be served. When Todd spoke one Sunday about a healthy church, we were all ears. It is not healthy to have people in the church who are all alike, but it is definitely easier. It is not healthy when we are all uniformed and think the very same thing, but it is definitely easier. It is like raising children. One of the principles that Doug and I learned early in our life as a family is it is easier to be a dictator than to be a true parent. You can get well-behaved children that perform well in public if you're a dictator. It is much harder to let children grow and trust God that you've given them the foundation, but to allow them to think differently on some things is very frightening. It is easier to have a clone than to have someone that you have raised to be an independent thinker. It is not healthy when we are all uniformed and think the very same thing, but it is much easier. The quote that I wrote and have thought about and even shared with many people is, Unity amidst diversity is hard, but it is breathtaking when achieved. Unity amidst diversity is hard, but breathtaking when achieved. Which leads me to to what I believe was our main truth from the book of Philippians, that we are to learn and teach from the classroom of contentment. For you and I are all students and all teachers. So we must have a teachable heart, and we must be prepared to teach others that what we believe is real. Todd got to do that in a very big and real and personal way in the month of May when he walked hard weeks. And yet he had just taught, rejoice in the Lord, be anxious for nothing, in everything give thanks with prayer. As another type A personality who makes lists in order to check things off lists to the extent that I will put something on the list that I've already done, just for the strange satisfaction of marking it off. So I truly understood Todd's type A personality and how I prepare on Monday for what I'm going to do on Tuesday, and I prepare on Tuesday for what I'm going to do on Wednesday, and it is hard when life is not tidy, but life is not tidy. And we can get so busy in the preparation of our life that we lose the joy. My grandmother had a saying in her bathroom that said, life is what happens while we are making other plans. And I remember that to this day, that I want to have joy. I don't want to miss a moment of this life because every single day is a gift. I want to learn the lesson of contentment and learn it well. Todd said it is hard to be humble and content at the same time. And I believe he was referring at that time to our culture's insatiable hunger for things. And I do struggle to some extent for things, but my greatest struggle is not for things, but for control. I want to control my little world and my four people. They would attest that that is true. Yet, peace is not going to be found in that predictable life. Peace must be found in Christ. 
And so, even though people we love will get cancer, and great and stable jobs are not promised, and our children have to make their faith their own, my world is not in my control. It is in control of the Creator. And I love the principle on prayer, that prayer puts me in the place where I recognize it is not my responsibility to fix things for people, but God's. So thank you for the opportunity to share what God had for Doug and me, and particularly for me. And thank you, Doug, for allowing me to be the spokesperson. He would have rather done this. Those who know Doug know that's not true. But I do look forward to getting to meet you as our new church family. And I also want to take the time in closing to share that there are many churches in Lubbock, good churches. Yet what Melanie Park has in Todd as the shepherd of the flock is unique. This church is blessed by him and his family. So know from one who has seen much of what Lubbock has to offer that we should all be grateful for Todd, that he has been appointed for a time such as this to lead this walk. Thank you. I'm exhausted and I didn't even preach this morning. What a great morning. Uh, just so, so thankful. I really appreciate this because, um, you know, oftentimes I stand up here, and, I, and I've said to more than one of you, sometimes I wonder, uh, is what's being said making an impact? Um, and days like today remind me, absolutely, because God is faithful, and he's always at work. And just as we saw in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will perfect it in your life and in my life. And when we share that with each other as a body of Christ, it is a beautiful thing to the glory and praise of God our Father, from whom all good things come. Amen? If you would stand and let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the blessing of the testimonies of faith from your people to your glory and the celebration of your hand in our life. There are times, I think, that we struggle with uh, what feels like a distance between us and you. But there are times like this morning when that distance is closed and the intimacy is revealed of your loving, intentional, purposeful care of our lives in very significant ways. I pray that each of us, uh, individually, uh, in our marriages and in our families, is reminded this morning of how you... Uh, are so passionate in your pursuit of us, drawing us to yourself, giving us refuge in you, revealing your truths to give us hope and security when times are uncertain. And I pray, Father, as a church family, that we would continue to encourage each other towards love and good deeds even more as the day draws near. And we believe that today is significantly closer than we've ever been to when you will return. May we be faithful to what you've called us to, um, and may we celebrate and make your name great uh, above all the nations. We pray this in your name. Amen. Y'all have a great day. Thanks.